Hey everyone, welcome to Buzzing About Romance. I am Becky, and on this episode, I am joined by Jenny. Hi, Jenny. Hi, Becky. And Heather. Hi, Heather. Hey, Becky. Um, okay, people. <laughs> this episode, bear with me, it might be a little long. Um, so I floated an idea out back, I want to say last spring. And said, hey, would anybody be interested in knowing about the history of romance book covers? And I was thinking of doing just a special edition over on our Patreon all about covers. Like, do a special Mm -hmm. episode. Because I got lots of knowledge. Yes, you do. But it came up that lots of people are intrigued by this topic. And that it's not just me. um, Because I really thought that it was just going to be me, like, verbally running amok um about covers but come to find out other people are interested in covers and so now you get a whole episode dedicated to my knowledge we're here for I it i love it and it's three and a half pages <laughs> <laughs> um and that's before i even really let heather and jenny chat <laughs> uh this is heather and listeners i promise we're gonna try and rein her in just so you know So on this episode of Buzzing About Romance, we are going to tackle covers. Um, Instead of a word of the week this week, I'm going to give you a brief history of covers, three and a half pages, (laughs) and different terms that we use when referencing covers. Um, Okay, I, many of you might know, I'm obsessed with the romance book covers of the 70s and 80s, like obsessed with them so that started my deep dive i needed to know all about covers and there's so much integrated with books and status societal status that i did not even realize until i started digging into covers a year ago like owning books is a big deal and it really was for a long long time only the elite that owned them even still, like from my, I'm going to put my teacher brain on. So even as a teacher standpoint, um, children that come from homes that have books are more apt to be readers. Which is so interesting. We always had books. And I remember I had a job on Saturday mornings when, when you were one of the littler kids, you, your job was to dust the bookshelves on Saturday mornings. You had to get a, the feather duster and a damp rag and dust the mm-hmm. Shell. I mean, and we didn't have a library in our house. It was not big, but like shelves and shelves of books. Mm-hmm. So to be a library, you need a thousand books. I am not at a thousand books. Mm. We are. Well, wait. Well, do we, I have to it, count the children's? Oh, I count yeah. everyone's books. Oh, oh well, then I'm good. I'm a library. Yep. Damn it. <laughs> um, and in our library, we count graphic novels and comic books as reading. Thank you very much. Um, I, even as a teacher, would count magazines because children read them. It's the reading, period. I used to love highlight magazines. I loved them. I still do the hunt and finds in the doctor's office. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, okay, on to my not-so-brief history of romance covers. Um, Okay. So people may tell you never judge a book by its cover, but the truth is many of us choose books based on the cover alone. Um, We've been having this discussion a lot lately as the man 
covers, the ab covers seem to be going by the wayside and there seems to be a current push for illustrated and what we are calling discrete or muted covers. So basics, type of book covers, there's a hard cover, there's a soft cover. Um, within soft covers or paperbacks, there is a size called the trade paperback. These are usually larger and the paper is usually of higher quality. And the, the binding, the glue that's used to glue those pages is of a higher quality of glue. These are also going to be acid-free paper. So it's again, a higher grade paper. Then we have what we call mass paperbacks. The mass paperback is small. It's usually a non-illustrated, inexpensive book binding format. They're going to be very basic covers on mass paperbacks. These are also known as pocket paperbacks because they fit in the pocket of the working man to take with them. Now, they're also the type is really small. Like you basically mm -hmm. need a magnifying glass to yep. read it. <laughs> because it's the same amount of words that's in a trade paperback. Mm -hmm. It's just in smaller form. And it was a it was a less expensive way within publishing for when it used to be that you would get a hard book cover of a book. And it was usually somewhere between 14 to 18 months after the release of the hardbound cover that you would get a book into mass paperback. And it was really, mass paperbacks were not meant to last the ages. They were meant to be thrown away. And that's why like they were in, when we, like Becky and I were older, when we were growing up, they were at the checkout at like yep. the grocery store. They were at the checkout, they were at the gas station. Those are used to be what you'd find in the airport because again, it was low expense. And if you didn't keep it with you, it wasn't that big of a loss. Um, which is why now as a paperback collector, I pick up every mass paperback I can find that's still in halfway decent condition because I have some that I have read and loved hard. It did not last. Mm -hmm. um, so then we have what we call hardcover with an image wrap. That means the image is going to be on the actual hardcover. And then there's hardcover with dust jacket. The dust jacket will hold the image. The actual hardcover will be plain and of a higher quality cloth binding or leather binding on it. <clears throat> the purpose of a book cover design is to draw the attention of the potential reader away from all those other tombs and novellas and sell them on the idea that your page turner is the next book they need on their nightstand. Okay, here is a brief timeline on the evolution of book covers. So the first book covers were animal skins, typically leather. Uh, covers during this time were incredibly ornate, often featuring jewels, pearls, and gold. The emergence of machines and different kinds of manufacturing changed the book industry. People were now able to mass produce books, which meant the both pages and covers were easier and faster to make. Many of the covers were made with cloth or leather, which led to an era of gold stamp covers. It's important to remember that up and until this point, point owning books and having collections of books was very much part of the higher class. It was elite. The average working man, the servant... They did not have books. Typically, up and until the late 1800s and the Industrial Revolution, the only book many families owned was a Bible. And that didn't even really start until after the Reformation, because in the Catholic Church, which, you know, ruled the world there for a long time, 
it was illegal for the average man to own a Bible and read the Bible. So a little bit of my CCD Catholicism coming in there. Um, Near the end of the 1800s, books began using dust jackets as an easier to produce version of the cloth cover for the of the past. Many people started using dust jackets as a kind of achievement for their book due to the rise of technology and bold graphic styles of art book cover design completely changed at this point. So I'm done with generalizations of covers. Now we are going into romance covers. Told you knowledge. Got to get it out guys. (laughs) No problem. We're with you following along. Uh, Romance book covers have evolved over time, reflecting changes in publishing trends, societal norms, and artistic styles. The history of romance book covers can be traced back to the late 19th century when romance novels began to emerge as a popular popular genre of literature. Initially, the covers of romance novels were simple and modest, with plain lettering and unadorned illustrations. These early covers focused on the title, the author's name, and often featured a subdued color, color palette and conventional imagery. If you go and look for a first edition, Pride and Prejudice, that is exactly what it is. It is a plain cloth brown book with gold lettering, lettering and that's it. Hmm. Um, in the 1920s and 30s, the pulp fiction era uh, ushered in a new era of romance book covers. Publishers began using more colorful and dramatic covers featuring attractive, scantily clad ladies and uh, rugged, handsome men embracing or action poses. These covers often featured lurid titles and suggestive taglines and were designed to enhance the reader with their vivid imagery. In the 40s and 50s, romance novels became more mainstream and publishers began to use more subtle and sophisticated covers designs. These covers featured elegant typography, artful illustrations, and often depicted scenes of romance, passion, and love. In the 1960s and 70s, romance book covers became even more diverse, reflecting changes of societal norms and a growing acceptance of sexuality in popular culture. Covers of this era featured more explicit imagery, with some featuring full nudity, and they often depicted a wider range of romantic and sexual uh, scenarios. This is the dawning of the bodice ripper, too, also. Um, And then, so I want to talk a little bit about the origin of the romance novel, novel, The Clinch Cover, because if you know me, I got a thing for The Clinch. You do. I love them. I love them. And I found out that some of these artists that made these clinch covers, you can buy the original paintings. Corset and Crown just talked to a friend that they had on their show that bought a print. That seems, yes. (laughs) If that's your thing, you should do that. Um, I think I need it. If I could get the booby bopping one from Joanna Lindsay, you guys, you know I'd have that on my wall, right? Yes. You know that. Um, Okay. So what is a clinch cover? The clinch cover is a term used to describe an embracing couple on the front of a romance novel and has often been ridiculed since they showed up in the 70s. I started reading, I personally started reading romance back Mm -hmm. in the 90s and all the books I had access to were straight out of the 70s and 80s. And simply because I love me some dramatic painted images or billowing gowns and suggestive poses, these have quickly become my all-time favorite of covers. 
So some of the top cover artists and designers of the golden age of the clinch, which is what I'm terming it. That is my Mm -hmm. made up term, people. Golden age. I love it. (laughs) John Paul Fiera. um, Elaine Dulo. um, She is who was the original person to paint Fabio. And Robert McGinnis. When the romance genre blew up in the 1980s, we saw an explosion of the kinds of covers that non-romance reader exclusively associated with the genre, and they called them the clinch covers. They usually featured uh, bare-chested manly men holding tightly to a swooning woman with hair whipping in the wind and a dress holding onto her slim shoulders for dear life. Did you like that? (laughs) The publisher uh, would hold photo shoots with the models, and then an artist would transform the image into a painting, adding in backgrounds and probably volumes to the hairstyle and the gowns. This gave us Fabio, and who was featured in on hundreds of romance covers and is still synonymous with the genre to many people outside Romance Landia. And as I was doing my di- deep diving, I do feel like we might need a Fabio episode. Yeah, I mean, he like. Even yeah. still, like my dad will be like, "Oh, Fabio," and I'm like, "Why is he such a big deal?" Well, apparently, he is. He is. <laughs> um, between the late '90s to the mid 2000s, many mass publisher paperbacks were given object covers in an effort to hide the clinch. They hid mm-hmm. these clinch into the step backs, which we'll cover over on the other after we get over all this. Um, in 2000. And beyond, romance book covers have continued to evolve, reflecting a greater diversity of representation, a wider range of subgenres. Covers now often feature more diverse models, reflecting a growing recognition of the importance of inclusivity and representation in literature. Many covers now also feature more modern and minimalistic designs with bold typography and abstract imagery. Overall, the history of romance covers reflects the changing taste and expectations of readers, as well as the evolving standards of the publishing industry and the broader cultural landscape. Now, as I was doing my research, you guys, I kind of saw the waves of this. So in the 20s, the covers, like I found some old covers from the 20s. Pornographic, guys. They were scandalous. (laughs) And then as you hit the late 40s. So the 30s depression, you hit the 40s and 50s, they like tightened up. They were much sweeter. It was definitely an illustration. And then with the sexual revolution of the 60s and the 70s and the dawning of the bodice rippers, like then they just threw caution to the wind and showed started showing everything. And some of them, like my favorite, Tender is the Storm by Joanna Lindsay. If you can find the original, which I have, and I will feature on our on-the-shelf show notes. I mean, basically, he is bare-chested, his pants are under his bottom, her dress is down on her shoulders, and she is up against his thighs. And in our house, we refer to that as the booby-bopping cover, because that's what my child called it. So, something else that we have seen happen in the romance genre, in... The dawning of computers and graphic arts, we have seen these vector art covers. This is a type of cover that designs Mm -hmm. using vector graphics to create stylized uh, illustrated images rather than a photographic image. Vector graphics are digital illustrations that use mathematical equations to create shapes, lines, and colors, which makes them easily scalable without losing quality. 
In the context of romance novels, vector art covers often feature these stylized illustrations, creating couples in romantic or intimate poses, often with bold colors and graphic elements that are meant to catch the reader's eye. These covers can have a wide range of styles and whimsy and cartoonish to be more realistic and dramatic. We are seeing an increase in popularity in recent years due to the versatility and cost-effectiveness and the ability to create unique eye-catching designs that stand out in a crowded marketplace. They are often used by independent authors and small publishers who are looking for an affordable, distinctive cover design for their book. Now, that information was taken from like 2017-18 about independent authors and small publishers because we're now seeing a push from Big Pub using mm -hmm. the cartoon covers. Okay. So I do need to explain what a step back is because mm -hmm. not everybody knows what a step back is. So, and this is my last piece before we get into actual like book covers. Sounds good. 20 minute lecture guys. Uh, <laughs> the step back cover is also known as the fold out or double cover was a common feature in paperback books during the mid 20th century. Publishers used this design for a few reasons. It attracted readers. The step back cover was often used to feature a larger, more detailed or more versatile striking image than what was on the front cover. This could help catch a reader's eye and entice them to pick up the book. It protected the book. Step back covers served as an extra layer of protection for the book's pages. When the book was closed, the step back cover would fold inwards and help to shield the pages from wear and tear. It's cost effective compared to hardcover books. Paperbacks were more affordable options for readers. However, they were also more prone to damage. The step back cover was a cost effective way for publishers to protect the book's pages without adding too much to the production cost. Step back cover was a practical and versatile appealing design choice for paperbacks during a time when they were becoming increasingly popular among readers. We have seen the death of the step back. Rarely in the modern paperback do we get a step back cover. If you are in publishing and you are listening to this episode, I want them back. So please bring them back. Well a lot of fun facts about me and my family. Uh, we come from a long line of printers. So my dad was a printer um, and my family owned what is called a bindery. So that is more time consuming. Step backs require more manpower to do. And so they're more expensive also because they'd have to go through a bindery first. So they'd have to be creased and then they'd have to be folded. It doesn't make me want them less. I'm not saying <laughs> that it, you would. I'm just saying like as like a perspective of like it would need to. And then I I would assume shipping also. I mean, like I think about the way <clears throat> the mass producer that we get books from, they can't ship anything to save their life. No. They put a book in a box and then nothing in it and they'd ruin it. Yeah. Nope. I agree. So we are now moving over to covers of today and the different types of romance covers that we're seeing now. Um, and we're also going to kind of nitpick a little bit about covers mm -hmm. because I believe all three of us have big thoughts on covers right now. Yes, I do. Um, okay. So the digital era of covers, this is where we're at 90%. Well, 
99% of all the books I read are digital books. I am looking at books about 85% of the time I am looking digitally for the books that I'm going to purchase. Mm -hmm. I am not in a bookstore looking at books very often, less than 10% of my life. You're not touching the book before you purchase. Not. So really, I need covers that stand out as I scroll the retail sites. Well, also, like, if I were to go to a store, I have to be very conscious of the bookstore that I go to. Because the majority of the books that they do sell aren't the authors or books I'm actually interested in buying. Same. Same. Okay, so a little bookkeeping of cover design. Um, Who owns a book cover? Traditionally published authors typically have the cover art for their books designed by the publishing house. So if it is an indie publisher, like I published a book, I did it myself, I would own the rights to my cover. So indie authors own the rights to their covers. But if you publish a book with a publisher, they would own the rights to your cover, which with all of these new distribution deals that we're seeing happening in romance landia right now like lucy scores and sarah simone and all of them that is why they are getting recovered on their books because technically lucy owns the rights to her cover and to sell the distribution rights she can't you can't usually transfer a cover um copyright So in order for Bloom to own it outright and not have to pay residuals for that piece to her, they have to create a new cover. And there also can be, in the legalese, residuals to the models and to use in printing. So, and the photographer. So a way to combat that extra expense, publishers will put their own cover on a book. Um... AI drawn covers, which is something we're kind of, we're in the middle of this AI. And however you feel about AI, you feel it. Um, As a creative, I do think that this is a bit of a quandary for many of us. Being a creative and a technology person, ooh, it's really cool. But it does feel like AI is coming for the creatives. Mm -hmm. Um, AI drawn covers cannot be copyrighted. Also, there's a problem with AI covers is it takes different styles and drawings to create the cover. And by doing this, it can often feel like an exact copy of another artist. Mm -hmm. So. However you feel you feel, but AI Mm -hmm. covers cannot be copyrighted. This is the law. (laughs) No. Um, Well, and there's been some hubbub and some talk because some. Authors have been using AI to draw, like, their characters. And, of course, mm-hmm. the AI is searching the web. And some of these are people that, you know, this is their livelihood as illustrators. And they draw um, fan art. And it looks very similar to their fan art. And now you're creating this, you know, mud. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't have the headspace for AI, because I got covers to talk about. Cost of a cover. Typically, a cover costs anywhere from $500 to $800 to be designed. This does not include the rights to the picture if you are using a photograph. 
uh, those vary based on artist and who owns the copyrights of that photo. Professionally illustrated book covers will cost on average between $500 and $1,500 and no royalties on book cover work. It's a flat fee. So, but that doesn't With mean that, though, they, there are some cover designers who are extraordinarily sought after because, let's face it, they are stellar at their job. They are. There are some that are better than others. And I think some, the demand of them, because they become so in demand, I feel like Mm. the quality of their work has kind of gone down. Mm. Because I'm thinking of one, I typically have always loved this creator's covers, but Mm -hmm. she's been doing some for one author that they don't make sense. Make them make sense. They don't work for me. Like, the lighting in them, it feels lazy. I don't know. I don't know. Um, so I think even if you love a cover artist, you might not love every cover they do. Yep. Okay. So let's talk about these illustrated covers, guys. Because do you love them or do you hate them? I love some of them. Some of them I don't love. It depends on what the cover looks like and who has done it does that make sense yeah i like i feel an attraction to the illustrated cover but then when i was like looking through covers for this episode um i felt like most of them just looked so similar that um it was kind of hard for one to stand out as like oh i really love this cover like i like like all the illustrated covers but I don't love one if you had asked me 18 months ago I would have told you I'm a fool for an illustrated cover I buy them all I love them all um but now we are so saturated with them and some of them are so ridiculous and I have an article going up the week after this episode airs all about the object cover and how we're just putting certain objects on books that don't actually reflect within the book. And I think we see this the most with illustrated covers. Like it's like, mm, you know, were they really sitting on a swing together or did they sit at a bar together? I mean, I think that, like, I would agree, like, probably two years ago is when the illustrated covers started to come out, and they were new and sort of like, oh, like, that's kind of cool. Like, I really like that. And then now it just seems like everyone, which I think is great for some artists, because some of the artists do a really great job. Well, the one that comes to mind to me really is like the Claire Kingsley, the Bailey brother covers. She took away her man covers and we got this red truck in different seasons. And I, I don't know that it fits those books. It doesn't. It does not. And it makes them look like they're sweet romances. And those are highly emotional angsty romances. It doesn't, it used to be the illustrated covers sit really on the Mm rom-coms, you know, like the bromance book club, they had illustrated covers 
Yeah. And you knew exactly. And those were lighter, lighter romances. They were not heavy in romance. And now with the illustrated covers, I mean, we're seeing illustrated covers on dark romance. Everything. So Cassie Cole, she writes a lot of those like quick and, you know, really steamy, like, you know, why choose kind of romance. And she has changed all of her covers to illustrated covers. And she's like, she wrote in her newsletter, this by no means means that my books are changing. They are not sweet. They You're going to get what you get. She said the problem was is that Facebook and other places were censoring her from her advertisement. And so she needed, they were not allowing her covers to be out there because they had bare chested men. So that's she's why like, I had I, to do something. That's why a lot of authors are moving away from the bare chested covers and the, um, and you know, the more sexually explicit looking covers because they are being censored, censored in Amazon ads. They are being censored on Facebook ads and, you know, they'll be fine for 30 days. And then the next 30 days when they go to renew the ad, it'll say it doesn't meet our standards. Um, and as I was going through the history, I mean, I saw the ups and downs. And if I look at like, you know, the covers from 80s, early 90s to what we went into the 2000s with, we saw that swing down. And if you think about it, that was after the whole Bill Clinton hubbub and, you know, like the president's sexual scandal. And all of a sudden publishing is like, let's push out all these object covers. And then <clears throat> Fifty Shades of Grey was an object cover. But yeah. slowly after that, I mean, we had handcuffs on the cover and everybody knew why there was handcuffs on the cover <laughs> or a mask or whatever. And then, you know, into the teens of the 2000s, we saw the dawning of the Manchester cover, but it was also as Amazon was taking its height for the indie author and you had to make a cover that stood out and mm -hmm. those Manchester they stand out. I so, mean, who doesn't love a really nice set of abs? Like, let's be real. So, okay. You know? um, illustrated covers, a couple examples. Aurora Rose Reynolds has a really cute one for uh, her For Never book. Stacey Hart has moved all of hers to illustrated covers. Angela M. Lopez, The After Hours on Milagro Street, You Had Me at Ola. Those are all what we would consider illustrated covers. Megan Quinn is currently doing a mix between a real photo and an illustrated cover. But I'm not exactly sure what that type of cover is called. Um, it's so funny. I just looked those up because I'm like, I feel like Megan Quinn's are illustrated. And I'm like, nope, they're not. There's like, it's a mix. Some, yes. They kind of remind me of like our old YA books that we were reading when we were in like junior high and middle school, like Babysitter's Club a yeah. little bit, you know? Like they cut out the picture of the dude <laughs> and, then and then put him on, on a background. coloring Which, book. To be fair. Who's reading a ton of romance right now? I mean, like, think about the age bracket. Right. Yeah. Okay, so we've talked a little bit about bare chest or ab covers. Sometimes these will show the dude's face. Sometimes they only shoot from the neck down. Right. Um, you're going to see these often. Jay Sommons, her doctor's covers are all bare chested. Um, 
T.L. Swan, her Miles Brothers, Marty Man, the Dalton family, and the Trice, Trist, whatever you want to say, by Lauren Blakely. Those are men that are dressed, but they are sexy. Uh, yeah. Kendall Ryan, actually, in her Hot Jack series, I would say is the same. Like, you get yeah. some really nice forearm action. <laughs> I mean, give me all the forearm porn, right? Mm -hmm. So I did ask in our Discord, and Real Fake Love by Pippa Grant was one that Christina shared that she likes that's an ab chest covered, but his arms are kind of covering his chest, and it's great arm yeah. porn. It's, like, really great arm porn. Um, yeah, and he kind of has that look of, I don't know, like, he's going through something emotionally. I think it's the eyes in those covers. That's what the discreet covers, that's what these illustrated covers are missing is like the eye contact. And no, I know it's a picture, people, but in my mind, he's making eye contact. He's calling to me. Well, and that's, I'm yeah, a lot of the illustrated covers, like they don't even have a face. Right. It's, like, it's just a round orange dot. Yeah. Um, okay, so then we do have modern clinch covers, which are couple, couples embracing. Many people will tell you that these are covers that do well in a wide market, not in a Kindle Unlimited market. Many of the couple covers tend to be, um, they tend to lean more towards a slower burn, almost maybe even a sweeter romance. So, um... Hope Ford, her something real, it has Wander on it, who, if Wander's on the cover of your book, I'm buying it. I'm just telling you. Hello, mm -hmm. Daddy. I'm buying it. Um, <laughs> Catherine Cowles, her Tattered and Torn, her Whispers of You book, mm -hmm. they have a couple clinching. Uh, a popular one in Discord was Floored by Carla Sorensen and the Redemption Hill series by A.L. Jackson. Um... Okay. Give us your feelings on the object muted discreet cover quandary that we're currently having, guys. <clears throat> Be honest. Do you some love it? Do you I hate like. it? Some of them I like and some of them I don't. Um, I hate the flowers. I'm over the yeah. fucking flowers. Stop yeah. with the fucking flowers. Especially, Especially flowers... if there were no flowers at all in the book, like ever. Do flowers have mm -hmm. something? Now, I will give credit to A.L. Jackson and her Redemption Hill series, any, all of her books, because she does the same grouping of flowers and in different colors for each book. And so it does create a cohesive look. But flowers mean nothing in that book. I'm over fucking flowers. So Laura Pavlov's um, Honey Mountain series, she has special edition covers and they are like watercolor. They are like... But that's considered an illustrated cover, not an object. Right. Okay. Well, okay. Sorry. I'm just, no, I'm, no, but they're <laughs> nice, but it looks like the area in which the book takes place, yeah. right? Yeah, I think. Um... So let's use Catherine Cattle's Tattered and Torn series for an example. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the original covers have the couple with like a colored mountain scene in the back. Mm -hmm. She then did special edition muted covers, which she removed the, the couple and did just like galaxy star explosion in a sea of mixed of colors. 
Yeah. But usually it was one color on a gradient. So blue, green, purple, pink. Mm-hmm. Here's my complaint. Why is book one, because if you look at book one with the people on it, it's purple and orange. So why is not the muted cover of book one purple and orange? Why is it blue? Hmm. Why, why didn't we make them match? Because then if something happens and I get intermixed of that series, hmm. they still would have lined up. You wouldn't, the only thing that would have been different is there weren't people on it. That makes sense, I guess. I want, I'm, I'm guessing there's a reason. I don't know. Sure, it was just an artistic decision. It's just, mm-hmm. as someone that collects books as a trophy, <laughs> right. I went to them line up. And I don't know. I'm just. I think the book boxes do a lot of the, um, like, object covers. Okay, so let's talk about that because. Mm-hmm. A lot of times in a book box, we get an author that only puts one book in a series with a special edition cover. So you get one book with an offshoot cover. And now we're seeing it with special edition signing covers. So if you're planning to go to Book Bonanza or a Polycon or even Readers on the River, the authors will have a signing edition of a book that's only going to be available at that signing And it's one book. And sometimes it can be in the middle of a series. So I think that it's great for someone who goes to the signing because they, that's like a special, let's say if you go to Disney and you get your Mickey ears from Disney, it's different than if you just order Mickey ears on Amazon. Like you go because it's the experience, you know, look at that book and remember it. But what it does is it creates this sort of, um, need to have it like mentality amongst people like us who like to collect books or whatever and it it just makes you want them which you know I don't know yeah well now I will say I was very surprised so I got a set of the Jana Aston books that were like her wrong right mm-hmm. series very cool. I didn't realize that the Manchester covers, the same color matches up to the special edition Hello Lovely. So wrong is um, pink background for the Manchester. It is a pink cover for the Hello Lovely book. It's orange for right for both of them. And I thought that's really cool. Like that... Mm-hmm. And it's the same color vector. Like, it's really, I liked that. That made me really happy. But then I'm like, what? what's happening with the, you know, I wanted to buy a couple book boxes. Like, I love Catherine Cowell, so I was going to buy a couple, one of the book boxes. But it was one book. Mm-hmm. And if I'm going to collect her books, I'd like to collect, because her she doesn't write just a standalone. She writes a series. So another thing that kind of, um, this is something that annoys me and I have said it before, but I think it bears repeating. If you are going to release a series of books, let's say four, let's just go with four. You need to have all four of those covers, like match or be like in the same kind of like family. So also when you release, let's say the fourth book, and you have it listed on the Kindle, 
as it would match the other ones. And then you just change the cover for the fourth book in the series. So then whoever buys the book, not they don't match. Unacceptable. We don't do that. Well, and stop changing multiple covers in the middle of series. Yeah, that too. Claire Kingsley did this to her readers. And I'm sorry, that's a disservice to your readers. She changed the covers before the series was complete. Kendall Ryan has done this. Stacey Hart keeps changing her covers. Like, nonstop changing her covers. What? Okay, so when you just told us how much a cover costs. To now, I should you. state Stacey Hart is a cover artist. She does oh. her own. So for her... Oh. Maybe it was, I had a slow day and not a lot to do, feeling a little bit of writer's block. I'm going to just play around with covers. Okay. Well, that makes sense. I mean, and then to be fair, like there are certain series of books where they have like one, maybe their original covers and then they recovered them and they maybe had a special edition and like, I love the series. So like, do I have three books in the, uh, yeah, I do. Does it make sense? No. No. Well, and so we also now are seeing Patreon exclusive covers, which mm-hmm. the one Patreon that I do that does this is Carrie Ann Ryan's. And I'm a fool for hers because she went the opposite direction. She went for super sexy, over the top clinches, covers that never would sell because she wouldn't be able to put ads on Facebook or Amazon. No, they are amazing. They're amazing. I need the only diff if it were possible, and I think she told us it wasn't, if I recall. They are glossy covers. Yeah. So that is the other thing. Because of the way she prints them, she can't get them matte. Right. I am basically if they're not matte covers, because they get like marks on like they get fingerprints. I know that's like first world problems i'm here i understand that people no this is definitely a first world episode <laughs> it is totally first world episode um uh-huh. so jenny, like real, real guilty are all of our privileges showing yes jenny this question is kind of for you but it's also something else like so kickstarter exclusive covers now i want to say before you start talking about the one you know that i'm picking on you about right um i will say that like a lot of authors are doing collaborative Kickstarters. Like I know there's a, and we're going to interview the authors that were a part of it, the Blue Collar Kickstarter. They each picked, picked one book in one of their already established books and created an exclusive cover and an exclusive book for that Kickstarter. But again, series are not going to match up. And I will find out, I'm going to ask, if they're going to do like a second book box so that we all get the second book in the series. Um, But the Kickstarter I'm referring to for you is the Penny Reed one, which she has exclusive covers, that that's the only way you're going to be able to get those covers, right? Right. And they're also annotated. um, So it's the only way you can get the like extra thousand words per book. but they do all match and they should look beautiful on a shelf because they will have the like knitting ball um, because it's the 10th anniversary of knitting in the city for people that don't know. Um, And she she was very um, 
we mentioned this a couple episodes ago, like she was very smart about it. Like she realized that having hard covers was going to be um, like financially like difficult for many people. So she kind of set her goal low and planned on doing paperbacks. And then once she reached um, 432,000 um, hardcovers were available and she's doing like heirloom quality the like ribbon paper or the ribbon bookmark and so yeah. that's the other thing that i'm a little obsessed with and i do not own any do not come at me mike burrier if you're listening i do not own any <laughs> the whole sprayed edges uneven pages special edition cover books that you get from like fairy loot and bookish box and stuff like this like with gold foils and i know that katie robert did a kickstarter and they did a flippy flop books like that it was one book when it faced this way if you flipped it around it was another book um and it had the uneven pages and then some of them had the sprayed edges with the like foil embossing like sprayed edges are so pricey they're so pricey and they're, but they're so pretty and secretly I would like to own, I would like to own some just so we're all clear. Well, yeah, but anyway, I, I didn't know that this fairy loot place existed. Oh gosh. <laughs> so... I am sorry to Mr. Minnesota hockey dad. <laughs> I am. I'm very sorry. Please forgive me. Um, okay, so what are your feelings when a cover does not convey the true subject of the book? I personally have had an issue where it was a clinch cover, and the guy is described as clean shaven with long blonde hair or longerish blonde hair and uh blue eyes. And then I get the cover and he, the model has short, short hair and brown eyes and a beard. That makes me so mad. I'm always like flipping back and forth. I, I mean, I read on my Kindle, so I'll flip it my phone and I'm like, what, what is, did I miss something? Like what's going on? It makes me crazy. Like I'm going to be real. Right. It makes me crazy. Like, I think we just talked about this with Jill Ramsauer because her covers are great. And um, a lot of authors will tell uh, tell readers. So like Eden Finley and Saxon James, I'm, I'm, if, they, if they publish it, I'm buying it, right? They buy pictures of cover models all the time. And they're like, oh, this is him. And then they write around that. Like that's, I feel like if you are gonna put someone on the cover, like, that's who I'm picturing the whole time I'm reading this book. Especially if they don't, like, describe them right away. You're yeah. picturing that person. And then, because I've gotten, like, 40% into a book. And then his hair is a completely different color. And I'm just like. So there's there was a really popular um, cover model. Um, and there was, like, I swear, like, a month or two where he was on every single hockey romance that came out. And I was like, oh, I can't picture <laughs> this guy anymore. Like the first two, I could get around it, but I just don't think he's in every city here, you know? <laughs> um, He's just really talented and he's all yeah. over the place. <laughs> he's gotten trade of a lot. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, and there are some of our listeners that stalk cover models on Instagram. Um, and mm-hmm. some of our apparently hosts that stalk oh. cover models on Instagram. Yeah, I always when- laugh in Discord when Gretchen is like, does he have an Instagram? <laughs> <laughs> And Gretchen will find him in about a nanosecond. So that was so fascinating to me for a couple of reasons. One, when we were in Vegas, um, at Love in Vegas, there were a couple cover models and people were insane. Like, and I'm like, yeah, he's cute, but I think I'm old enough to be his mom for one. And then um, there's a couple on Instagram, uh, someone I follow and she's really great. Uh, cool moms read um, Sam. She is like loves Andrew Barnett, right? So she like, literally collects all covers with Andrew. Like she has like bookshelves full of just Andrew's pretty prolific out there. Yeah. But it's like her thing. So like literally now when I see him on a cover, I immediately think of her. So like that's actually pretty pretty smart of her. That is pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh man. Um okay. Here are our top five-ish all-time favorite color covers. Covers. Okay. Now. What were you gonna say, Heather? I not I that's like we can't pick our top five. Like I, I just I can't that's mean. You can't make us do that. <clears throat> okay. But, okay. Um well, I'll start since apparently it was very mean. <laughs> um, my all one of my all time favorites is "Tender Is the Storm." It was published in 1985. It is a clinch cover. It's the original clinch cover with no sticker. Um, it is the booby bopping cover, and that is Robert McGinnis who was the cover artist for that book. I also am a big fan of Olivia Dade's. Her spoiler alert, that cover was designed by Yeen Kim, but the illustrations are Lenny Kaufman. And so Lenny Kaufman, she does a ton of illustrated rom-coms, and they will have faces. She never leaves her characters faceless. Um, My third pick would be Raider by Jude Devereaux. The cover is by Lisa Falkenstern. That is the Barbie. And I have this cover. I have this book in three different... um, illustrations i am only missing the uk cover and a hardback of this book um i don't know if heather's gonna come at me no go ahead i'm a huge fan of the pittsburgh titan series by sawyer bennett these are a hangley cover and i love them i love them all they're so so great so that's one two three that's four yeah, mm-hmm. look, great. my fifth cover that I absolutely adore um, is Hiding in the Smoke by Olivia Mar- Ophelia, Olivia, cheese and rice. Sorry, Ophelia. <laughs> Ophelia Martinez, her designer is 100 covers for her um, cover design. It's a really interesting concept. They send you, they do not name the specific designer of who you buy the book from. Uh, the way it works is you send them what you kind of want They send you back three designs, and when you finally pick one, you then whittle it down to get it exactly as you like it. But you don't know. It's kind of a conglomerate group project. So those are mine. 
Yeah. Jenny? It, works, it works out really well for her. Like um, her last book, the cover matched very, very well. I just, I love her covers with the, the red embers and the oranges. I just, it really works. Okay. What do you got? Go ahead, Jenny. Okay. So my first one was the Winston brothers by Penny Reed. And I'm like, is this an illustrated cover? It is. I guess so. Um, and they kind of like keep that theme through the Green Valley, like Smarty Pants, like the library series and the like. It's the cross-stitching ones. Series. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah. Um, my second one was um, The Image of You by Melanie Moreland. Um, I believe the person they bought the photograph from is the guy in the picture. It's a photograph of himself. Um, and then um, Cambria Herbert Wish. It's a newer book by her. Um, it's a male-male romance. So the like, it's black and white picture of the two guys. Um, but Wish is in a like rainbow color too. Um, kind of like pride flag type thing. Um, I just really like the contrast. Um, I really like covers that have the couple on them. So, I mean, more the clinch, but I didn't read clinch when clinch was a thing. So um, I was like trying to find covers that match that. Um, Allie Martinez sometimes does that. Um, like, you, cause usually she writes in a duet. So like the guy will be on book one and then the couple's on book two. Mm -hmm. Um. Another good example was uh, Catherine Nolan, the Codex series. Like, I like all those covers, but um, Under the Rose is book two, and that um, has a couple on it. So how many am I at? I don't know. I don't know. Well, don't we'll know. go to Heather, and then we'll look at the time. What do you got, Heather? Okay. okay. Thank you. So my first one is actually an illustrated cover, um, and it's actually very new. It is The New Guy by Serena Bowen. So it is just a hockey player holding a hockey stick in front of the Brooklyn Bridge because he's the Brooklyn Bruisers. Um, it's a male-male romance, and the cover is purple. And literally everything on that cover perfectly is a perfect vibe for the book. Love it. I don't know who the designers are. I didn't look. I'm so sorry. I can do that. It's okay. It, it's not. <clears throat> I Listen, I told you I had knowledge in my brain. I had to get it out. No problem. <laughs> uh, my second one is Corrupted Union by Jill Ramsauer. And Jill shared that she actually does her own covers. Right. But that guy um, on the cover of Corrupted Union is exactly how I picture here and that's like the look he gives her all the time like it's it's perfect beautiful um and then my second or my third um is the always mine by Laura Pavlov the alt cover um it is gorgeous it is like illustrated uh, watercolor scenery it's beautiful and it's so pretty in person and then um, I'm going to grab it because it's thick. Um, my fourth favorite is um, Here With Me by Samantha Young. So it, it takes place in Scotland. And so there's a, it's a picture of them, but it's also like the scenery and it's beautiful. 
and it makes sense for the book because she's a photographer it's super thick and it's matte cover it's gorgeous um and then Heather's what? like totally Vanna Whiting like the book and then um another one of my favorites is uh Codename Ghost by Sawyer Bennett so it is a Jameson for security those are hang covers too and they are so cool because they are like a picture of the guy but then they also have a picture of the city and then the dog tags and oh so, like I love this book so much I've bought it like three times like, we're not weird. joking she has bought it three I times so you're like Heather you've already bought this and I'm like I okay well I obviously need more on my shelf because I love it so much um and then I think that's five but I'm gonna throw one six so um the CU hockey series by Eden Finley and Saxon James so this is the series that has three books I have three of each book so their original covers they recovered them and then they had hired someone who I follow on Patreon um, to draw the cover. These are the, the guys from the book. So did fan art illustrated covers? Yeah. And something happened where, I don't know. And so these don't exist out there anymore, but I have them. But she has them. And they're pretty. And they're all matte covers. I will... I will say I love when a spine lines up. So like Sawyer Bennett's Pittsburgh Titan covers on my shelf. I love that. I love mm-hmm. Carrie Elk's her Winterville series. Like the line of the evergreen trees line the spine. Um, oh, and um, Arizona Vengeance by Sawyer Bennett line up. So pretty. And I also do love those covers because those are naked man chests and they make me happy. Okay. I love the Arizona Vengeance because those colors are so pretty. I just love that the blue and blue. green just pop and they look mm-hmm. so pretty on my shelves. Um, okay. It, I also like, so the Maverick series by Brenda Rothart and Kat Mazira, they have guys on the cover, but it's not all abs like you get to see their arms so much shoulder porn like i know so good and they all that's the other thing like all of their characters actually match i agree characters jenny do you have any other covers you want to talk about um like the other one i had was um ella may's marriage for one um the original man cover not yes her new cartoon shit right yes to love jason thorne when I found out she was changing the covers of To Hate Adam and To Love Jason, right. I went and bought the original covers. He's wearing a blazer. You get to see his naked chest. I'm like, sign me up. As I was going through my books, so many of them were like that. Like I clicked through and then I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. I will well, say I do like, thing. go ahead. You think that you, I like have all these covers and I'm like, oh, I love them. And so then I started to go back through and I'm like, well, that's not their cover anymore. Well, poop, I should have bought them. Yeah. I do like the Indigo Ridge cover by Devney Perry. That's done by Sarah Hansen. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course I have more, the Love Me Forever Step Back by Joanna Lindsay. It's a John Russell uh, clinch in the inside. It's gorgeous. It's beautiful. I love it. And Twinifier by Jude Devereaux, the first illustration. Um, 
like she's got this red flowing hair that encompasses the whole of the cover. It's anyway, it's really pretty. It gets me all the time. Um, so yeah, I'm obsessed with covers, but I'm picky and I'm really, I am frustrated in this discreet cover movement right now. Just because I hate the term muted cover because why should I mute what I'm reading? I, mm-hmm. I like a good looking man on the fronts of my covers. I, I also like the artistic, you know, and the flowing hair and the billowing gowns. I like all of that. I love the Fabio color covers. You know, yeah, I think of I a think, pirate. I think of Fabio. I think about the mafia covers, like a lot of them that we read, they have guys on the cover and they, um, have a lot of tattoos which in my normal life i'm not like but whew, maggie cole nice. has a series called book one's called the auction and he's heavily tattooed i love that cover that cover is really great and you know what you're getting with that cover if you put a bunch of hummingbirds on the front of a cover i have no <laughs> fucking clue what you're trying to convey to me in that cover and again, check out our website in our pour over section for more thoughts on covers. Because I got big ones. <laughs> well, okay. So here, I'll give mm-hmm. you a little, a little piece. So there's, Bring it. there's a Julie Garwood book that's called Ransom. On the original cover and on the step back, it is a iron gate with fog and mist in the front of the cover. And in the back is a manor up on a hill. Okay. So that was the cover from the 90s. They recently redid the cover, and it's a medieval romance. They recently redid the cover and added a woman dressed in a medieval gown. But off to the corner is still the same gate with the manor hill up in the corner behind her. So I know it's the same book. So when I look at the original cover that I read, it had the gate. When I go and look at the new cover, if I'm going to buy it and think, oh, did Julie Garwood release a new book I didn't know about? Because, you know, we know me. Titles, they don't always work for me. I know that that's the same book because pieces connect and work. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just like Catherine Cowell, her Whisper of You book. The muted cover, the alt cover, whatever you want to call it, has a compass on it. If you look at the main cover with the people on it, it has a compass on it. It has the compass rose. It makes sense. I can identify that as being the same book as long as she keeps the coloring the same. Mm-hmm. So anyway. Okay. If you have any questions about covers, feel, feel free to message or ask because I still have more knowledge and thoughts. <laughs> You guys, you have no idea. Like, God forbid the old lady that catches me in the corner at the library sale this year because I got more things to tell them. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, we pray for those people. Um, okay, so before we go to Book of the Week, I had to tell you a funny story. Mm-hmm. So I met a podcast listener in the wild this weekend. Oh, Just, like, out and about? Well, I had the opportunity, my closest Barnes and Noble, which is 40 minutes away, don't get me started, had a small indie bookstore signing or had a small indie author signing at their bookstore 
this weekend. <clears throat> and Melanie Harlow was there. And I had the opportunity to get a book signed and meet Melanie Harlow. Um, and as I was, Melanie, I chatted, we're going to have a happy hour with her. She's, and she's coming on to the blue collar Kickstarter episode. So we have some things coming up with Melanie. She was like, oh my God, it's so great to meet you and to put a face to the name and all that kind of good stuff. Um, and she was a drunk book club author. And as I was walking away, I was talking to the lady that put on the signing. And then somebody else was like, are you buzzing about romance? Or Cause I had my sweatshirt on and she's like, do you listen to buzzing about romance? And I'm like, <laughs> I I am buzzing about romance. And she's like, oh my God. I was like, I'm Becky. And she's like, oh, I listen to you guys every week. I love your podcast. And I'm like, awesome. Thank you. You're welcome. I was so awkward. It was so it was so weird, you guys. And was I Mike with that. you like, don't um, make it weird, Becky. Stop making it weird. Mike and Sydney abandoned me. <laughs> they like went off. They Okay, they bought more in tabletop gamings than I did in books. Oh, well. You know, because Girl Child has plans. Anyway, um, yeah, I just, it was. I needed somebody standing beside me being like, stop making it weird. You're <laughs> making it weird. It's now weird. Stop. <laughs> anyway, so if you ever see me out in the wild, please say hi. <laughs> I promise not to make it too weird. No, you're going to make it weird. And that's yeah, okay. she's definitely going to make it weird. <laughs> it's just, it's weird. It was weird. Because, yeah, you know, do people really listen to us? Because I sit in my office and, you know, I don't know. It's weird, right? It is. It is a little weird. I mean, I think, you know, I you get a little fangirly, like, when you meet authors and stuff. Like, I remember when I met, like, Riley Edwards and Catherine Cowles in person, I was like, and then I'm like, well, they're just people. Like, they're they're people, you know? Yeah. Like, I wasn't weird with Melanie because I've talked to her at Drunk Book Club. We've had interactions and mm -hmm. email. I wasn't weird with Melanie. But the listener I was weird with. Anyway. Okay. So, it's that time, everyone, for Book of the Week. Okay. What do we got book of the week wise? Jenny, what's your book of the week? Um, Nevermore Bookstore. I'm probably going to like screw up these names. Kerrigan Barnes and Cynthia C. Aubin. Um, apparently they, well, at least one of them normally writes historical. Um, I really enjoyed this book, um, but I made the mistake of reading reviews when I was like halfway through and a lot of people didn't like it um it's an illustrated cover and apparently many people thought that related to like a paranormal or cozy mystery book and were disappointed um there is some like it has one of those like extended titles a hot kink positive morally gray grumpy sunshine rom-com and I would say most of that like fits it but um it's a little angsty um they're both dealing with some tough stuff and there's a little, little bit of mystery to it but at least read the tags if you're not going to read the blurb right 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 um okay heather what is your book of the week uh for the fans by nyla k um i have seen this 
all over um, on my Instagram. It's an MM romance. Um, it's a college romance. Um, a little bit of forbidden. There's some sensitive. Um, there's some sensible sensitive subject matter. So she has some triggers. So if you have some triggers, especially around religion and all of that, maybe isn't for you. But oh my gosh, this book, it's one of those where I went to bed and I was like, I really wish I could stay up. I got up and early and read it. And um, it's just that good. I didn't want to put it down. Okay. Um, I do not have a book of the week. I, well, so I'm deep into my daddy phase, the daddy era, because mm -hmm. Heather and I are getting ready to record an episode all about daddies. And I did a lot of reading of daddies, and some of them were hits. Some of them were just okay. Um, but now I'm struggling to read anything that isn't like mafia and people stabbing each other. Mm. So I've started and stopped a lot of books lately. And I have some books that I've completed that we're going to talk about in upcoming Quick Shots of Romance. Um, but nothing that I've been like, Oh my God, I loved this book. Like, I think everyone should read this book. I really don't have one of those titles. And actually, a book I was really excited for, it's a book three in a series that I've been reading that I just really love. I was starting to get annoyed with it. It's kind of friends to loverish, And it was fucking annoying to me. And so I put it down. I didn't fully DNF it yet. I just put it down. Um, and I think, I'm going to maybe do some rereads because like I said, I'm really struggling with where to go. I do have an audiobook, but I'm not done with it. So I want to wait till I'm done with it before I'm recommending it. Um, so yeah, there's that. Um, I don't really have a book of the week. Um, I have so more. <laughs> you have more. And Heather has plenty for everyone. I do want to say before, because we've been having this discussion, it's happening over on TikTok again. I would like to caveat for anybody who is listening to the podcast. A couple things. One, any book we recommend to you are books that we have read. Uh -huh. Second, 100%. none of the books that we are recommending to you have we been paid to recommend to you or to review. No. We Never. do this all just as the heart of a romance reader. Um, and so I just felt like we needed to make that statement for everybody. Um, Patreon update. Welcome to new Patreon member Maya. Uh, welcome to the Hive. We're excited to have you here. We are also celebrating Holly's second year within the Hive. Um, we are grateful for your support of the Buzzing About Romance podcast and the Bookcase and Coffee uh, website and community. And thank you for everyone who continues to support us to bring you all the amazing podcast goodness. We currently have four open tiers on Patreon. Those start at $5 a month, include membership to Drunk Book Club and other exclusive content. I also want to put a little piece out there. We are starting a new newsletter project with the Bookcase and Coffee blog. It is called our Pour Over Newsletter. Instead of book reviews, these are going to be curated TBRs and also entertainment pieces. Like if you like this book, you should read, th watch this show. Um, we're going to have a theme each month 
And we'll also be talking about like other bookish lifestyle things, such as thrifting books in a small town or um, tips and tricks to make your reading life easier. It'll all be book centered. It might be a recipe that was inspired by a book we were reading um, or an adventure that was inspired by a book we were reading. Uh, but you will want to sign up for that at Bookcase and Coffee. Dot com. It's called the Pour Over Newsletter. There's a little purplish icon on our website for you to sign up. And I'm excited for it, you guys. I have so many cool ideas and stuff. And I think Jenny is going to be a part of it. And I think maybe Heather will get some time yeah. management tips and tricks from the queen yeah. there. If, if I can, like, manage my time. If you can manage your time. Um <laughs> Anyway, thanks guys for joining me to talk all about uh, covers and letting me get all of this knowledge and information out that I needed to about covers and the history of romance covers. Um, you know, sometimes I have to get the words out of my head. I learned some things. Yeah, it was super fun. Until next time, everyone. Happy reading. Find us on Instagram at Buzzing About Romance or on Twitter at Buzzing Romance. If you like the podcast, please leave a review. If you'd like to support us directly, join the Bookcase and Coffee Patreon and receive exclusive content only available to Patreon members. Check out bookcaseandcoffee.com for our on-the-shelf show notes.